We're going through our study of Joshua, and this week we're in Joshua chapter 5, being taught by Brenda Rhoda, and she's talking to us about the courageous preparation that we all need in order to be used by God. As Christians, we know we are called to be disciples who make disciples that live in love like Jesus. But what does that mean? Is it a program, a path, or a script? Is it a focus on study, or a focus on connection? Or do we focus on outreach and service? Discipleship can seem overwhelming if you don't know where you are going. Closer Look's mission is to not only define the destination and the path, but to also give you the training and tools to navigate the way. Join us for our bi-weekly series where we'll talk about leading a group, developing a teaching, and being a good disciple maker. Learn to grow closer to God and to others through a closer look at discipleship. I hope you have enjoyed the teaching as much as I have. This week, as I listened to Erin O'Hara's teaching on setting aside time to remember what God has done in our lives, a text came in from one of our closer groups. They had gathered stones, put verses and words on the stones as a way of remembrance of how God moved in their lives. I just love God's timing. And ladies, I want to hear more. On Friday, November 20th, we are organizing a Women's Night of Worship. This is for all women, so bring your friends and bring your testimonies. We want to offer them as a sweet offering to the Lord. We open chapter 5 in the Promised Land. Forty years before, God heard the cry of his people coming from Egypt, and he sent Moses to lead his people out of slavery. But as we all know, this was not a 40-year trek because of the distance. This was a 40-year trek because of their disobedience. The Israelites did not listen to the spies' report that the land promised to them was flowing with milk and honey. They only saw how big the men in the land were. Their fear kept them from crossing into the promised land. So God called them to a life of wandering until that generation had passed on. The new generation is following Joshua's lead, and they have made it into the promised land. Chapter 5 only has 15 verses. And if you're like me, you may be multitasking as you're listening. So I'm going to read most of the chapter to you. I hope that helps you follow along. I divided this passage into four sections, but each section pointed to spiritual preparation. In fact, our spiritual preparation is essential so that we can be used by God. Let me repeat that. It's my main point. Our spiritual preparation is essential so that we can be used by God. When we get into preparation mode, I don't know about you, but I think of physical training or reading a book or, I don't know, growing emotionally mature or just getting our ducks in a row. Surely that will carry us through. But God is always after our spiritual growth, for us to have a vibrant relationship with Him, one where we can't help 
but point others to him. Joshua's not going to miss the opportunity to dwell in the promised land like he did 39 years before. This time, we find him listening and following all of God's instructions. Let's read that very first verse of chapter 5. Now, when all of the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until they had crossed over, their hearts melted in fear, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. We have to stop right here for a minute. We learned in Joshua chapter 2 from Rahab that the city was fearful of God because they had heard how he had dried up the Red Sea. But this is different. This time, they saw the miracle. Of course, their hearts melted. The Jordan River was at flood stage. Surely, they were thinking they had a little time. I mean, how did two million people cross the Jordan River so quickly? Moreover, how'd they cross it on dry ground? You know why I wanted to stop here? How does a nation hear about a miracle and then see a miracle and still not believe in the miracle maker? How did they miss it? Nowhere do we see their faith respond like Rahab's. I want you to tuck that in the back of your mind when we get into chapter 6 next week. God was fulfilling his promise in Numbers 14.31. This was a new beginning for the nation. As this new generation of Israelites crossed into the promised land, it symbolized a death, the death of their time of wandering and old way of life. It symbolizes a rebirth as well. They have stepped into the promised land. And this is similar to us. When we made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ, we too left our old way of life and we came into a new way of life. And you know what? We terrified our enemy as well. Just as the people in the land trembled in fear, the enemy, or Satan, trembled in fear when we made our decision because he knew we were now a child of God. He had lost his battle. I think there's a truth here, or I call them principles. Our enemy may be invisible, but he too melts in fear every time a person makes a decision for Jesus Christ. And since we know we have an invisible enemy, we've got to take a closer look at how we prepare to live courageously each and every day. We learn this from how Joshua had the Israelites prepare. I think the first step can be found in verses 2 through 9. I'm going to read Joshua 5, 2, and 3. It says, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gebeath Haroleth probably not what they were expecting, right? Who am I kidding? The first time I read this, I said, wait, what? Why bring the men into the enemy territory and then put them in a vulnerable position? 
Who does that? We mentioned that the Israelites had been walking in disobedience. This is an example of that disobedience. They had not followed the instructions of the covenant of circumcision in the time of their wandering, a covenant that God had made with Abraham, and it was one that they knew. None of these men had been circumcised. It was time to walk in obedience to God, to walk in a new way, to renew that covenant before walking in abundance, or as commentators said, it is circumcision before conquest. Well, what does circumcision mean? I looked this up and Webster defines it this way. It's the cutting off of the foreskin of males that is practiced as a religious rite by Jews and Muslims and by others as a social custom or for potential health benefits. Paul says it, though, so that we can understand. In Colossians 2.11, he says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. We too cut away flesh or sin as we walk in obedience to God. You know, if we're being honest, some sin is painful to leave behind. (laughs) Maybe not the same pain these men felt, but it's hard, you know, to say no to sin and say yes to Jesus. There may be patterns of anger, jealousy, gossip. Here's one, control, that we don't even see when we look in the mirror. These patterns of sin have become like comfortable garments on us. I have another one. What about unforgiveness? That's one where, you know, I I think I've forgiven, but then that person's name is mentioned, and suddenly there's like a bubbling up, and I know I'm still carrying it. Our first step of spiritual preparation is to walk away from these patterns of sin. In fact, we got to turn from all sin. Confession and repentance are critical steps in preparing to defeat the enemy. And so there's another principle. God is not just after our hearts. He wants our obedience too. Paul says in Colossians 3.1, Since then you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. The author of Hebrews says in a very familiar uh, verse, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Our Israelites were ready to occupy the promised land, and they were willing to do anything to walk in obedience this time. We are living in 2020, and we too have a cloud of witnesses, a world that feels on edge. We're living through a pandemic, which fell on an election year here in the United States. There is racial tension that has led to division, even division in the church worldwide. I would say, ladies, we have an opportunity, one like never before, to show the world who our Savior is. And so we've got to ask ourselves some questions, like what are we cutting out of our life 
so that we can run without any entanglement. When a Christ follower turns from sin, do you know what always follows? Joy. God does not want us to be burdened by sin. God is still looking for people who are different from the masses. Joshua had different values, fears too, but different hopes than his peers. And that's for us today. To those of us who hear the Savior's call today, we are to run differently. Confession and repentance are critical first steps in preparing to defeat the enemy. Our passage told us that after the men were all circumcised, they rested until they were healed. And then in Joshua 5, verse 9, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. It is never too late with God. It was years of disobedient living taken away just like that. The reproach is gone, and now they walk in abundance, in joy, and peace. Well, after circumcision comes celebration, and I hope you agree this is just as important a step. Let me read Joshua 5, 10 through 12. On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate the produce of Canaan. Passover was a reminder of their redemption. Jehovah had brought them and freed them from slavery in Egypt. We may remember that the first Passover they ate in haste. The second celebration was at the foot of Mount Sinai 39 years before. But this celebration, this was the first one in the promised land. Since it's no longer needed, the manna has stopped. The extraordinary means were only temporary. Now the Israelites would experience the miracle of regular harvest in the land of milk and honey. They would work for their food, but they would see the miracle of the harvest too. When our preparation of cutting away sin is over, we too begin to lay out some new patterns of living. That may include regular time in God's word, memorizing scripture, sharing scripture with others. Every day we get up and we make the decision to walk in power. Let me read from 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know, I love the saying, let go and let God, but you know what? It leaves out an important part. It leaves out us. We have to do our part to walk in the light. And the Israelites are now going to do just that. The Israelites are in the promised land. They've cut away their old way of life. They have renewed the covenant of circumcision that God gave them. And they have celebrated the Passover 
in obedience to God, there's one more step of spiritual preparation that we see in these verses, and it's found in the last few ones. Guess what, ladies? It's time to worship. Let me read Joshua 5, 13 to 15. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for this servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua may have been in prayer, which would explain why he was looking down. But upon hearing someone or something, he looks up and he sees a man standing in front of him with a sword. You have probably been told this is a Christophany, an appearance of Jesus Christ in the person in the Old Testament. And this is not the first time this has happened. You know, one of my favorite chapters to revisit is Genesis 18, when three visitors go to Abraham and tell him that Sarah would be pregnant the following year. You may recall the story. She was old and, well, she didn't think it was going to happen, so she laughed to herself. And the visitor, or Jesus, who was outside the tent where Sarah was, somehow heard her and he called her out. I love that story. Joshua seems to know he's in the company of someone holy because he falls on his face, and he was right to do so. Just like Moses, he too is on holy ground, and he removes his sandals. The battle that Joshua is about to enter does not belong to him. It belongs to the Lord. And like Joshua, we must begin by worshiping God and continue by following his instructions. Like Joshua, we too should get alone with God each day. God is holy, and he has set us apart. We belong to him. And when Jesus took me on, and you, he knew we came with baggage, problems, uncertain future, unfulfilled dreams, patterns of sin. And you know what? He took it all. So when we get alone and seek him, Jesus becomes our helper our Redeemer, our Savior, our portion, our Commander. We're not asked to be perfect. We are just asked to consecrate ourselves or spiritually prepare ourselves so that He can use us to bring Him glory. Ladies, do we do this? Do we go to God before we pick up the phone and call our friend? Do we despair about life being hard? Or do we lean into God just a bit more. One person plus God's Holy Spirit equals a dynamic change for the good. Let me repeat that. One person plus God's Holy Spirit equals a dynamic change for the good. God does not work by worldly might, power, or any other forces, but by His Holy Spirit. He looks for those in whom this truth has taken root and who are willing to let Him work in this prescribed manner. Let me close by asking, have you crossed over? 
Have you left the life where you ran the show and given your entire life to the commander of the army? If you are uncertain or if you want prayer over this, this is a great time to get alone with your leader or someone who's a bit further along in his or her spiritual journey. I know if you are attending Grace Community Church, our pastors and elders are always ready to pray with you and for you. Let me tell you a story. Before COVID-19 hit, um, we closed out each one of our services at Grace Community Church by having our elders and care deacons surround the church. That way they were available to pray with you. They were also standing there praying for the people in the congregation. Well, there was one day last year before COVID hit that I had several things on my mind, three in particular, and I knew I did not want to leave without prayer. And so I went over to one of our elders, a dear friend of our family, Ken Fowler, and I said, Ken, I need prayer. And he looked at me, waiting for me to tell him what was on my mind. There were three things in particular, but I could not get them out. And so I just put my head on his shoulder and I waited for him to pray. And he did. And do you know what, ladies? He prayed for those three exact things that I was wrestling with. It is never too late to ask for prayer because this journey of us, ours, we need it. Some days, no matter how long you have been walking with the Lord, we just get off track. And so we go to someone and say, I need prayer. Another question I want to ask you, do you daily consecrate yourselves to the Lord, asking him to search our heart, root out anything that's not pleasing? And then do we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day, ending our day by worshiping the one and only? These are spiritual steps that lead to victory and our spiritual preparation is important. It's important to us and it's important to God because we want to bring him victory on this side of the kingdom. Listen, ladies, he's going to lead us. Thanks so much for hanging out with me and going through chapter five. I get to do one more chapter, so I'll see you all next week.